Cronus, and welcome to another episode of the Musicians Insider. And today we have Joe Iconis, who's on here, and I'd like to speak to him a little bit about his music career and what he's been doing, uh, performing on things like Broadway and, and all over the place. So let's get a little bit of an introduction from you, Joe. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, hey, so I am a uh, I'm a musical theater writer and performer predominantly. I've written a whole bunch of musicals, including this show Be More Chill that was on Broadway right before the pandemic. I've had songs on some TV shows. I also have a band called Joe Iconis and Family, and we perform uh, all over the place doing my tunes. And my my style is kind of like a cross between. Uh, sort of classic musical theater and uh, I'll say like indie rock it's that kind of vibe so in the world of theater I'm sort of like uh, a bit of like a downtown left of center kind of uh, vibe so indie rock with with Broadway that's interesting so you're getting that grunge vibe and that feel but it's super professional and super prepared and you always know what you're doing yeah kind <laughs> of yeah it's like very well well planned chaos is usually what it is so yeah. I, I'm curious to know how you got into this and maybe you could tell my audience a little bit about, you know, what kind of steps it, it, it took you to get to where you are and just maybe any any ideas or tips for, for my audience of what they should do if they're interested in doing the type of work you're doing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so I um, I'm from I'm from Long Island, New York. Uh, I come from uh, sort of like ultimate uh, suburbia. Uh, no one in my family is in the arts or in entertainment in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but when I was a, a kid, when I was six years old, I saw the musical Little Shop of Horrors uh, <laughs> off-Broadway. Off and I uh, I loved it. And I, you know, more than loving the, the, the show itself, which I did, I really fell in love with the medium of musical theater. Like it was just this idea of like, oh, a story is being told and people are singing and we're all in this room together. And, uh, and um, you know, I'm sure it helped that that particular musical was about like a plant that ate people. You know, I feel like that really, that really helped in, in capturing my young imagination and mind. Um, and so I, I really fell in love with musicals and so I became this kid that was like really obsessed with with you know musical theater, and I would go to the library and I'd read all these books on on famous musical theater writers. And I was you know in my town, I was always like the only person who ever took out any of the books about <laughs> musical theater. Like it would just be my name over and over again. Um, and so and so around this time when I was like sort of developing this love of of theater, uh, my parents forced me to take piano lessons because we had a piano that was like, uh, it was like a piece of furniture in my house, you know, like I, uh, it was a piano that was passed down uh, from my grandparents. And so I have, I have a big Italian family and the, um, the for, for those who are listening who don't have big Italian families, my particular vibe was very much like a sort of, um, it was like a good fellas kind of kind of thing you know like the the moments in goodfellas like the wedding or like when they go to see his mom it was like that kind of thing uh and so you know we had this piano and uh and everyone was just like oh the boy the boy should play piano we got a piano we should play it and so i you know i took like piano lessons from a neighborhood piano teacher and uh i started i started getting really good and i started i started playing by ear so i would like go to see a show and then I would come home and I would pick out the tunes that I had heard on the piano. And so I became this like 
sort of little uh, piano, I won't say prodigy, but I was like preternaturally gifted at playing and, piano. And at and that so, time, at that time when you were taking piano lessons, were you asking the teachers to teach you those songs or were they teaching you some sort of formal structured piano? They were teaching me for, like formal structured piano, but I mean, it, you know, my, my, my earliest teacher was this woman, Mrs. Jablonski, uh, who was really great. She was a great piano teacher. Um, but, you know, she's teaching me like hand and exercises, like very sort of standard, you know, classical music for children, uh, which I was doing, but just had absolutely no interest in. And so I would, you know, I would like learn it. And then I would be, you know, as she was like teaching me something, I would be completely in my own world, like on the top half of the keyboard, just like playing, completely playing these songs that I had heard by ear and then eventually you know she called my mom and just said listen like he's sort of exceeded my abilities you know you need to like do something with him she was like I don't know what you do with him but uh he needs like he needs something. Some, some something he needs someone else <laughs> and so you know my 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 mom and my grandpa uh you know they just had no clue like what the hell you do with a kid who is really great at, you know, at playing piano and making up his own songs and everything. And so I, I took some, I took, I studied from like some classical teachers, like really good classical teachers on Long Island, but I just didn't, I didn't want to do that. I knew from the start, I wanted to write musicals. And uh, certainly at the time, you know, this was like not in mid nineties, late nineties. And so it was like pre-internet there was just no resources, you know, to to sort of connect me with a larger world of musical theater writers. And so I just kind of, you know, I just kind of winged it. And then I ended up going to NYU for, uh, for school for uh, music composition. And that's where I started meeting other people like me. You know, that's where I was like, oh, I'm not the only person who actually wants to do this, who is alive. You know, there are other, there are other ones like me walking out there. And that's when the light turns on. You're like, oh, this is a career now. You're like chasing it. And yeah, it, it turns that on. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Well, so I'm interested to hear what, what happened next. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, so, you know, I went, I went to, to, to NYU um, and I, I studied with this private composition teacher. And at the time I was really only writing music. And um, and at the time I was a very uh, I was a very quiet boy. I was very sort of socially uh, uncomfortable, let's say. And um, and I was I was really inward, you know, as like a really sort of inward kind of person. Introvert. And the, the, <laughs> in, introvert. Yeah, yeah. They have a word for it. I forgot. Uh, and so my private composition teacher, he uh, he basically said, "Well, if you want to write musicals." you need to have some words. And so you have two choices. You can either uh, write the words yourself or you can go out into the greater world of, of NYU and New York City and you can find someone who wants to write words and you can collaborate with that person and that can be your words person and you'll be the music person. And at the time, you know, I was 18 and truly I thought, going out and finding someone sounds like I'm going to have to speak to other people. I'm going to have to be revealing of myself and vulnerable in some way and also brave. That sounds like a terrible idea. I'm just going to write the words myself. 
And so that's how I started writing lyrics, you know, truly out of truly out of fear of having to deal with somebody else. And so then that's great. By the end of my by the end of my time at NYU, by the end of my undergrad, I I was writing lyrics and the lyrics had been become just as important as the music to me. You know, it was sort of it it it, it kind of went hand in hand. And then I uh and then I, I I went right on to grad school at NYU, and NYU has this really wild musical theater writing uh, graduate program where a lot of like major, major, major musical theater writers are adjunct faculty. And so that was really where I kind of came into my own uh, as a as a writer and kind of as a as a man as well. Like I had a big sort of change in my life and a maturity, uh, and, a maturity moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for real. It was like, yeah, it was like late, late breaking puberty or something in every way. It was puberty of the soul. You know? All of us, all of us people who used to be nerdy and doing things like I went to high school at 12. So late bloomer is what I go. Yeah. With. Oh, yeah. Late, latest, the latest bloomer. Yeah. That's what awesome. happened. I bloomed. That's 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 what has to happen. And it always eventually happens. So you kind of figure out what the heck when you're growing up, everyone's always like this kid, this kid, all this. And then then suddenly you're in your 20s and 30s and you have to sort of like make good on all the stuff you did as a prodigy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> oh, but that's great. Oh, so is your main instrument piano or do you play guitar? Do you sing like I know that you were saying you're you're in, you know creating music or, and you must mm -hmm. be now designing soundscape like what kind of um what was your main instrument at this point i guess is it still piano yeah, yeah so piano is my piano is my main instrument for gotcha. sure and i i play i play uh you know i played trombone in in high school and so i do i i trombone is an instrument that i can if it's in front of me i can play it but i don't it's not like a it's not a big part of my my life you know clarinet oh yeah nice for me That's it great. was clarinet in high school yeah i haven't really played it since <laughs> A great but one, it, yeah. it teaches you to sight read and play in a band and look at a conductor. So there you go. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, great, great lessons, uh, great lessons for sure. But no, but piano is piano is the is, is has always been my predominant instrument. I've tried to play guitar so many times in my life, and I'm just bad at it. I, I there's something about it that does not compute for me, and so I'm just an awful, awful guitar player. I've taken lessons, I've really tried, and it's just a disaster. To be a guitar player, you have to be, like, into Eddie Van Halen, into, like, Dimebag mm -hmm. Daryl, into the guitar players that you grew up watching, and you're trying to learn them. And I used to go to all Metallica shows and learn the songs before the tab books were ever correct. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. but now, the kids have YouTube. It's so unfair. I know. There's just tutorials for everything now. It's like it's so saturated it's almost like there are no more rock stars almost it's so weird i yeah no i know it's very it's very strange all of it yeah like if anyone only. new looks like a millennial and you like you look at them like oh that's cute they made a hit <laughs> <laughs> i know i know no it's yeah it's the democratization of of art and uh all of that um, so yeah so yeah. continue on if you want i'm just gonna say i know you have a lot of things that you've been working on um so i'd love to hear basically some of the bigger things that basically got your career rolling like your what was your break or what do you feel like is your or are you still waiting for your break or where are you at <laughs> yeah i mean i think that i'm i think that i've you know in the world of musical theater i think i've done all right uh my you know it's i had sort of a <clears throat> i've had sort of a weird journey 
in 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 terms of that. I I when I when I kind of started, uh, I kind of came out you know sort of in the into the musical theater scene uh, post post NYU graduation like two thousand and five. 2006 and uh i was really like known as as the 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 guy who wrote like these these edgy rock musicals and for me i was i always felt like my stuff was really traditional but the sound of it was was really different than anything else going on in musical theater and i think that is because when when i when i sort of had this this change this maturity right i then all of a sudden was like oh i've been listening exclusively to cast albums of musicals for my whole life i should uh i should perhaps just investigate other types of music that are <laughs> that are in existence and so then i feel like i i sort of exclusively listened to anything that was not musical theater and so that's when i sort of got into um, you know, just re regular people music, you know, and, and, um, and, and because of that, my stuff, and this is still the case, the, the, the bones of it, the, the sort of structure of it is, is really kind of classic musical theater writing, where there's like really solid song structures, it's really character based, it's really like word based, but the sound of it is, uh, stuff that we don't normally associate with with like show tunes you know indie so rock. it's like yeah, <laughs> rock I mean that's kind of like the easy catch that's what I I mean I, I I actually I feel like I say indie rock so much to people in musical theater because no one knows what the hell that means and so it's like you say indie rock and they just hear like cool and kind of scary you know I, I would throw in the word punk once in a while just to freak to freak them out I say I say that I have a punk rock energy, and See, that and always is really. <laughs> I can tell. I can tell that's where your vibe is. Almost like it feels like a, is a, is it a CBGB's vibe too? Like like from New York, you got that whole punk scene that's there, right? So you've got that. Oh yeah. Background in that. So yeah, yeah. But that's the like. But I mean, but the thing that kind of like sort of put me on the map was my these live shows that I was doing, and my my live shows were very much that where it was like trying to take, trying to take like a punky energy, right? Take take a punky vibe and apply it to old time musical theater. You know, it's like what happens if you have, you know, like, you know, uh, Rodgers and Hammerstein or Stephen Sondheim, you know, doing a show at CBGB's. And that was like kind of these gigs that I was doing. So like more contemporary wise, American Idiot, Green Day, same idea, right? It's suddenly it's this punk rock mm -hmm. band doing like Broadway. So like that to me kind of sort of is a good analogy to what, what you're talking about a little, right? Yeah, for okay. sure. For, for sure. Yeah, definitely in that, definitely in that world. Um, and so, and so, yeah, so I started doing these concerts around New York and that, that kind of got me, uh, got me noticed. And then I kept having like, I kept having these musicals that I was writing that was, that were from New York and they, and they kept having a lot of buzz around them and then not, not, uh, not kind of breaking through in the way that people were, were expecting them to and wanting them to, uh, for various reasons. And then I wrote this musical called Be More Chill, which was based on a, a, a YA novel by the late great Ned Vizzini. And uh, it's like a sci-fi musical about this kid who's this really average like high school kid. And he finds out there's a thing called a squip 
which is a, a supercomputer that lives inside of a pill. And he finds out that anyone who like has their shit together in high school uh, ingests this pill and the supercomputer implants in their brain. And then a voice just tells them how to behave. And so it's um, that that's the, you know, that's the, that's the show and the score of the show I was really inspired by like 1950s monster movie film scores and like 1980s, like John Carpenter horror movie scores. Uh, and so that show opened in uh, 2015 in this theater in New Jersey and we made an album from it. And then like years later, the album exploded kind of like out of the blue and um, to use a gross word, went viral. And uh, then because of that, and because of the like, the sort of bizarre, rabid internet obsession with the show, uh, we were able to do a run in New York and then eventually moved to Broadway. And uh, there's hopefully gonna be a movie of it. And so it sort of turned into this big thing. And that was kind of like the way I broke through, but it was so like not the typical path of how you get your show to um, a certain, you know, to New York, let alone Broadway. So what I'm hearing here is that, and this is kind of the advice that I'm sort of hearing across the board, and I'm a musician too, and I'm having this issue, is that playing live was the thing that got you noticed in this story already. You said you put some concerts on around New York and people started mm -hmm. to notice you. So it's like basically yeah. go out and play live, people. You need to do it. Uh, I'm guilty of not doing it enough. It's so hard to sometimes get it off the ground when there's so many reasons to, but I'm just taking away that that seems to be one of the catalysts that still happens in the story. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, for sure. Every every positive thing that's happened in my life truly has been a, a almost direct result of me just like doing a gig that no one asked for, you know? You <laughs> like, and that's, that, yeah. It's such good advice. So just keep going. I'd love to hear more about how you got where you are. So this is a good story. So uh, yeah. where are you at in your timeline now? So you've, you've made it to the point where you, you've got past these shows. People are not taking you the way they want to take you, but there's something going on. It starts getting bigger and then you get this viral kind of hit going on. So then what? <laughs> so, okay. so I got the viral hit going on, get to get to Broadway. And it was, you know, it went well, it was good. Even with that, you know, I'm always sort of like, I'm, I'm always kind of like living on the fringes of whatever world I end up in. And so once we were on Broadway, then we became this like controversial show because people felt like it because um, because young people were really obsessed with it. And the sort of like theater, um, you know, the theater, like, you know, gatekeeper, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, the, the theater you know, crowd, the theater crowd was like a little bit like noses up at the show. You know, they were they were a little like, what is this show that all these kids are coming to and the, all these kids look so weird. I feel like we were like a little bit, uh, you know, we were like a year or two too early, you know, as far as like but what that's, now. That's it's the best. To embrace. Oh, you're yeah. Break, breaking yeah. ground. You're the first. You're the pioneer in this area. I think that's yeah. wonderful. So you you got ahead of the game there. Got ahead of the game. Yeah. You know, but it's like it's it's funny. I did um, I, I did right before the pandemic I did this concert uh at uh in lincoln center right and um it's this this room called jazz in lincoln center um it's this like just this gorgeous room that's uh, overlooks columbus circle and it's sort of this massive space and like the biggest concert headlining concert i ever did and um and so i was gonna i was doing this show and before like a couple of days before going to see the 
before doing the show, I was like, oh, I want to go see something in this room, this very intimidating room, so I can just be in that space and and you know and feel it before I'm going to perform in it. And so I just I bought a ticket uh, to see a show, and before the show, I'm like sitting there in the in the audience, and I was and I was sitting behind these two people um, who were like the sort of typical. Uh, you know, like snooty theater people, right? And so, oh and no, so they, and you can hear them talking about you. <laughs> and so it's like they're so they're looking through their they're looking through like the program, Great. and I they they turn to a picture of me, right? That because I'm going to be there, and uh, it's a woman and a man, and the woman points at the the and the man points at the picture, and he says, "Oh, Joe Iconis is going to be here in a couple days," and the woman goes. Ugh, like that. <laughs> I was like, oh no, oh no, oh no. And he uh and he goes, um, oh, he wrote uh he wrote be more chill, I think, right? And the woman goes, Oh yeah, it's awful. And the guy goes, Did you see it? And the woman goes, No. And like that was like the ultimate, <laughs> that was the ultimate, you know. Like, oh, this is how a certain type of person thinks of me and my material. They're like, oh, it's it's like, ugh, not for me. Have you have you seen it? No, yeah. I've never seen it. I have no idea. What it is. <laughs> I just that, know. And that's such a good example of that. How that like, how do you break into that? Right? Like, yeah. yeah. I don't like you and I don't want to like you and I don't even know who you are, but I can tell by your picture that I won't like you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or just what I what I presume about you um yeah you know what that's not the kind of fan you want anyway <laughs> oh, exactly. yeah please absolutely not. we buy yeah. our tickets each month from this certain group of people and we only go out with these aristocrats and uh but yeah. uh but you know <laughs> um, but yeah but so you know so now i um i'm i'm in i'm in a i'm in a i'm in a pretty good place you know like always trying to still get to like <laughs> get to the next level but i have this new musical that i'm just about to head out of town to to work on um it's this musical about hunter s thompson i was gonna ask you about that i figured we'd get to it i want to hear about this so yeah what's going yeah. on with that? um so this is a show that i i had an idea to write so many years ago i was commissioned by the theater that i'm actually going to do it at um in 2007 to write this musical and uh, it is a, the story of Hunter S. Thompson, uh, who, for those who don't know, uh, was a, um, a, a famous and notorious uh, writer uh, who, was, who worked in the, the 60s and 70s and beyond. And he wrote Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas and Hell's Angels and uh, is kind of this counterculture hero famously played by Johnny Depp in the movie Fear and Loving in Las Vegas and um, can, it sort of invented uh, gonzo journalism which is putting yourself inside of the story which is basically how all of our news is, is handed to us today um, that we don't even, you know, don't even think about consciously. Um, but he sort of invented this way of, of writing or at least popularized it. And uh, yeah, it's a really batshit crazy bio musical about him. And uh, we've been working on it for years and we're gonna do this production of it at the La Jolla Playhouse. And it's directed by uh, this dude, Chris Ashley, who directed the musical Come From Away in Memphis and many other things. He's like a big, huge Tony winning director. And uh, yeah, I'm super excited about it. 
and it's uh august 29th to august 1st uh, august 29th to october 1st october yeah. 1st oh, i can't god. read yeah no no it's all right reading's hard um yeah so we're gonna be we're gonna be out there in in la jolla and uh you know the theater is beautiful and it's where it's where come from away started it's where jersey boys started it's where tommy started and so it's you know it's like a as as far as like regional theaters go it's like sort of as fancy as as you can as That's you can get, you know, pretty iconic for Joe Iconis. And is that how you say your name, Iconis? Is that how you say it? Yeah, it sure is. Yeah, Good. I was born with it. That's cool, man. I like it. Um, so now you have a 44 track album. So let's yeah. let's hear about this. Tell me a little bit about the, how that happened. And that's a lot of songs. So um... it's so many songs. Yeah, and my my songs are long. So it's like it's the, the only thing that bums me out about the album is that because my songs are so preposterously long, the if you know if if um if, if I wrote songs that were a normal length, they there would be even more of them. <laughs> it's like you know the runtime the runtime would would could probably include like sixty songs. But uh, so the songs, it, the album came from these live shows that I do. So the live shows that I do are are um, they're billed as Joe Iconis and Family, and the Family is this group of uh, you know singers, musicians, actors, performers, dancers, what have you, and we do these you know these sort of massive theater rock shows uh, in New York city and, and all over the place. And so I've been doing these shows for years and years and years, and they have kind of their own cult following, uh, now. And there's so many songs that I, I do that only exist in these shows, you know? And so it's kind of like, there, there's not, there's no other, you know, sort of, um, comp in musical theater, uh, but it's really just, it's, it's just, a, you know, it's just a band essentially. Um, however, the songs that I'm, I'm, I'm writing for the band are theater songs. And do you actually have like three other people you play with regularly, like a, like your band or how would that yeah. work? Yeah. It's kind of like the closest comparison I think is like something like Arcade Fire where it's like, there's a core, there's a core group and then there's a million people who sort of like come and go depending on their availability, you know? So like, that's awesome. Do, it's yeah, it's fun. It's fun. And it feels like it's kind of its own thing, you know, like, but I, when I, I, I just did a run of gigs uh, a couple of weeks ago here in the city and, you know, we, I performed with 20 other people. Like, it's like that kind of thing. So, but you're, band, you're going home after yeah. the show, you're not traveling on a tour bus. You're just doing them at home. Yeah, exactly. It's like that's the thing gotcha. where it's like because it's so because it's so big, it's it's so unruly. You know, it's kind of like impossible to tour. Although we we're gonna do an LA show uh, in September on September twenty fifth, the Bourbon Room, and um, and it's you know that'll be a combination of like people who will fly out, people who are in town, and like I've now been doing it for so long that I I have like you know I have like satellite family members all over the place, you know, in every in every corner of the U.S. So have you I can have you down and find some people? It just I happen to be here. Have you done Canada? No, I've never done Canada. I, I want to so badly though, but I have a great friend, uh, Lorinda Lasitza, who's actually in in the Hunter S. Thompson musical and who plays with me all the time. And she's from uh, Saskatoon. And so oh, wow. she, she always desperately wants us to yeah, she always wants us to go and do a show there in her little town, Porcupine Plain. Oh, that's cute. I'm in a small town north of Toronto. I used to be I lived in LA for 13 years. I came home when the pandemic hit. So mm -hmm. I started the podcast as something to do. Yeah right just something to yeah. do while trying to figure it out plus i'm trying to figure out how to 
how to do music too. Like I released two records, but then like with the pandemic hit, I had to stop everything and I didn't mm -hmm. release it till last November. And then it's like, we want new material for playlist posts now. And it's like, but this is still new. <laughs> I know. No, that's the most frustrating thing. The idea of like new it's, you know, it's like, it's new to everyone who hasn't heard it. You well, know? I released two records. One is from 2005 and the other one's mm -hmm. from 2020 at the same time in November at a double release. And I just said, just get the stuff out into the world. Yeah. I mean, but the key is, and I'm failing at it at the moment, just because I have to book more. It's just, play live play live for people get out there and show them what you got and get your music in front of the right people you never know who's going to be watching yeah you just you just got to you just never know and like i mean truly this so this hunter s thompson show i you know like i said i was commissioned in 2007 and i haven't been like writing it since then a lot has sort of happened but um i i got the commission because i did a gig and i invited the, the guy who's now directing it, Chris Ashley, to that gig. And at the time, he was just about to take over as the artistic director of the La Jolla Playhouse. I invited him because I had seen this production that he did of the Rocky Horror Show on Broadway that I just thought was like so badass and such like gorgeous rock and roll musical theater. And so I invited him and he he loved my gig. And he was like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm about to take over the La Jolla Playhouse. Is there any idea that you have for a musical that I could, if they want to commission you to write? And that's how this started. And it, you know, literally only started because I played a gig that no one asked for. And I invited this guy who came and, and dug it, you know? And I've always found that like, I'm good, you know, I'm good, I've, or I've gotten good, uh, you know, talking to people and sort of doing like the schmoozy thing, but I'm, a, I'm an okay, okay schmoozer if I can be genuine, but I'm a really bad like bullshitter. And I think that so many people um are really good at bullshitting and and kissing ass in a way that I just can't do and so a, a, a while ago I realized oh I, I can't do that but what I can do is just like put my stuff out there let the and music so speak like, for itself exactly and it's like I don't I, I think it's good you may think it's good you may think it's terrible but let me just put it out there and if you respond to it then we can have a conversation that feels better to me than you know doing like fake fake complimenting a, a cocktail party so you just concluded performing at 54 Below in New York City? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, want to tell me a little bit about that? Or is that still part of this? It it was, you know, that was, um, yeah, it was, that was the run that I was, that I, that I just did. And it was, uh, it was great. You know, it's sort of these summer gigs that we're doing are kind of um, in celebration of the, this vinyl release of my, of my 44 song album. So we put out this album called Album uh, last year uh and it's you know sort of the culmination of so many years of iconis and family shows and and everyone on the album you know there's 70 artists across the 44 tracks it was all recorded during the pandemic in studios live and um and there's all of these you know folks who have played with me over the years like andrew Reynolds and manuel miranda and uh george salazar and carrie butler like really dope theater artists and um, and we're doing this vinyl release of it, uh, and the vinyl is coming out August 18th, and it can be pre-ordered right now. And it's this massive box set. It's five LPs, uh, ten sides, three and a half hours, and uh, I'm really excited about it because I, um, you know, I I love I love I love how streaming 
makes music something that feels really uh, attainable. I love how it just makes music something that can be in everyone's life in a really effortless, organic way. However, I'm super old school and I like music that you can hold and I like music that you can like smell and, uh, you know, and music that takes up space. And so it's like truly a thrill to be able to put out this box set that is just so impossibly large um, that it feels like a it feels like a daunting task to get through it all and I love you know having it's, to like go to a record player and change the record and do all that and it's something physical is going to sit in people's living room for years until they take it to a hawk shop <laughs> yeah, no, I know I mean I love I just love the idea I love the idea of someone you know buying this box set and then it's sitting in a corner and then they move and it stays there and then someone moves into that apartment and they're like oh what is this thing and then they you know eat cheese off of it and then they throw it out and then someone uses it to defend themselves against the, an attacker it's just like so many uses of the music throughout the years <laughs> and it's so much movies. nicer than just just having the phone with the spotify you know it's it's like yeah. physical tangible products are great yeah. And, you know, I really like, I love the visual aspect of music, you know, and that was always growing up and, and listening to music and, and also, you know, being an adult and listening to music. Whenever I'm, I'm into an album, I obsess over the artwork that was associated with that album. And I want to, I want to see that that's part of it. You know, when I think of songs that I, that I love, I think of the, the album covers and I think of like the, the, artwork and the publicity shots that were associated with that album cycle and it's all part of the music you know and when, when we were growing up like we were smaller and the albums were so big to open mm -hmm. when you're a little kid they're like this big and you're like look yeah. at all this and the imagery just overwhelms you like i remember we had saturday night fever and we also had sesame street fever you know like and that was <laughs> as a kid that was amazing to have your own album for you to look at when your parents have the other ones you know so yeah yeah um, and now it's just like i talk to like the younger generation that, that i like my, my relatives and nephews and things and like sometimes it's like they, the magic they don't even care about new music it's so weird and other kids do you meet some kids who play music that do so mm -hmm. it's like there's still it's still there the magic is still there it's just it's being passed down differently and it's very interesting to watch people get inspired these days about music and and what causes that it's totally weird yeah but i do i do think that there is a there's a strange um kind of non-differentiation between the old and the new for you know for young people in a way that's like kind of scary but also kind of great where it's like it just sort of feels like every there's a sameness to everything and you know i think that's just like that's what the you know internet or social media or whatever does it puts everything on the same you know plane um and and that that feels that feels like you know frightening when it's like oh people react to you know murder in the same way that they react to like oh this celebrity you know sent a naughty text it's like it becomes the same thing but um it's all like content it's no, yeah it's just content um but then it's like the thing that allows like you know um running up that hill to like be a number one song <laughs> you know like 40 years later it's like because the kids are just like receiving it all and then just responding to things in a really organic but way. Who could yeah. predict that Stevie Nicks dreams makes a comeback because of a dude on a skateboard? Like, oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. 
I know. And, and everyone's like, oh, I love that song. And they're all like, that song, I'm such a Stevie. It's like, no, it's because of that video. Yeah. It's like, where where were you? Where have you been? <laughs> Do you skateboard? Oh. Are you a skateboarder? Have you ever been? Oh. Probably not because you hurt get hurt. I'm just just thought I'd ask. <laughs> oh, I'm not a I'm not a skateboarder. I'm a very I'm like a very un um unphysical athletic. Un, un- um, yeah, not an athlete. What about hobbies? You got any hobbies that are not music related or anything? You're like, do you do like anything that that we would never guess? <laughs> no, man, I don't do anything but my my work. Well, you know, it's really my 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 hobbies and my you know my professional life and my life are very intertwined. I um the the people that I make theater with and play music with are my best friends in the whole world i you know my my wife is is an actor and writer and i'm oh, wow. me all the time and like it's you know i just it couldn't be more incestuous in a way that is problematic and um and and but also like really 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 wonderful um but you know every i, I feel like everything that i like to do is in some way related to to music or art or you know I'm a big movie guy and so I love film but you know even that is like I'm I'm kind of in that world too um but you know I like I I like I like taking in art and then I like having uh having cocktails and eating food and talking about the art that I take in that's basically that's basically my life my own the only thing that I really I feel like love in my life that has nothing to do with art uh is my my cat Diane Kitten, um, she's she's a big part of my life, and How old she is doesn't she? she doesn't care about art. Uh, she's ten years old, and she's um, she's gonna take her first plane ride in a few days, and she's gonna come out to La Jolla Playhouse, and she's gonna be a California cat for three months with my wife and I, and so I'm trying not to freak out about it because I also am like I'm I'm I I, I I'm like a fairly in control guy and i'm i'm used to like high stress situations and i'm always like managing a million people and that's just you know like the way that i navigate through life except for my cat diane kitten who if if there is any situation where i feel like she is the slightest bit uncomfortable or or confused or perturbed i am like a fucking basket case dealing with her and so i'm 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 not looking forward the thought of her flying on a plane even though she won't care do you have to buy her a seat it's no you don't have to buy her a seat uh but she has to have a carrier that can fit under the seat Uh, also just to be totally totally frank this is how much i'm insane about my cat i'm flying out to california on sunday and my wife is flying out on monday and she's taking the cat because i i was like i just can't do it I can't be on the same plane with her. I'm also like not a great flyer. And I was like, I just can't. I'm going to be like absolutely out of my mind thinking about Diane, wondering what's going on. And my wife was just like, please, the greatest gift you could ever give me is letting me fly separately from you with Diane. And so that shows you have- that she knows you so well. So that's that's great. You have a partner that's supportive like that. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she gets it. She gets it. We're good for each other. Uh, but we we had to yeah we had to get like we had to get some drugs for Diane yesterday that they That's gave us sedation so, yeah so she'll just she'll just be she'll just be high she'll be high in a bag on a plane wow it sounds like a, a Radiohead lyric um, <laughs> yeah exactly. I, I just saw an amazing band called the Fretless and they covered Airbag 
by Radiohead, which nobody knew but me in the room. And I was just like, and it was like a all string quartet at a at a thing that they did here that a friend of mine put on and it was beautiful anyway <laughs> yeah i love um, that song. so that's cool um yeah i play most instruments but violin because that's the one my dad played <laughs> <laughs> wait so are you are are you like that's it's not cool or you're just like i, can't, I just I begin to never approach. uh picked it up i don't know yeah weird he was into so that you stuff. have a, you have a musical family well, yeah, my dad was a dentist. That's why when you talked about the um, musical, um, the first musical with oh, Steve God. Martin, yeah. his character yeah. being the sadistic dentist, I thought of my dad there for a second because we used to laugh wow. at that a lot, the Little Shop of Horrors. But yeah, I know he played violin. He used to run these old time fiddle and step dance contests around here with the Whoa. fiddlers. And like he was mad that the judging was so corrupt. So we started running their own contests and they would... They would put the judges in in the hockey dressing room so they couldn't see the the contestants because there was so much corruption and cheating going on. It was pretty funny, um, but he was also a um, an orchestra violinist and had a chamber group and stuff. So that was really cool. I got him on one of my songs called "Yours Forever," playing violin and viola, and that was recorded two thousand five. We lost him in two thousand and eight, so I still oh, have him on tape, but I still get to play with him live. It's twenty twenty three, so we're good. But I mean. Wow. And I got to see Dream Theater play last Wednesday. Oh, my God. If you've oh, cool. ever seen those guys. And, like, I just have to say, like, oh, my God. Here. Best best instrument I've ever played. Oh, yeah. Look at the that. Magist it's the John Petrucci signature guitar. It's just, I'm with Ernie Ball. I love what they make. God. Now I can't blame the instrument because I can do what I need to with these things. So it's pretty cool. <laughs> no I'm more of like, I'm more of like alternative rock with EDM and we run skateboard camp at Burning Man. So I'm into that kind of world a bit, a lot of EDM and a lot of metal and oh word. but oh. um, uh, the art at that place is incredible. But, and otherwise um, I would say it was great speaking to you today, Joe. I really appreciate meeting you. I wish you much luck with your Thanks, new, man with your new Hunter S. Thompson musical, that looks like it's going to be amazing. What's the title of it? It's called The Untitled, Unauthorized Hunter S. Thompson Musical. Now I know why I didn't know ahead of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's wonderful. Um, yeah. So yeah, anything else you want to promote or tell me about that you got um, coming up? You know, uh, just be on the lookout for for the the Hunter show and uh, and the the gig at the Bourbon Room in L.A., in september and uh pre-ordering my album i think you're gonna have a good uh time with the weather in los angeles for three months after the new york hustle and bustle it's way more laid back out there because i know live there so i'm saying enjoy the the vibe of la while you can i'm gonna try to i'm gonna try to internalize that west coast energy and the the laid backness it's not where my it's not where my internal uh my internal energy usually sits but i'm gonna try to be have a drink have a drink by the lemmy statue in the rainbow it's fun to do that uh, yeah will do <laughs> all right thank you so much for being on the musicians insider with me today joe iconis so we will we will be back next week with another guest and thanks again for for being on today i appreciate you thanks for having me